Oh, hey there, sweet peas. Welcome back to Friendless, the show that tries to teach you how to be a better friend by losing every friend you have. I'm your host, as always, James Avramenko, back once more to ask what it means to be a good friend and whether or not I've been one. After a slight break, a little breather, I am back with a fresh batch of interviews, starting with one of my biggest guests ever. He is the co-frontman of Stars. He's the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, Soft Revolution. And to top all that off, he's also an incredibly charming and super friendly guy. The one, the only, Torkel motherfucking Campbell is on Friendless this week. This is hopefully um, a, a new direction that I'm taking the show in, and uh, it's a bit of an experiment. Um, I, I just really was feeling like I wanted to do a little more with the show. I was feeling a little stagnant with just the same repetitive friend questions. So I wanted to open it up a little bit, and, and I wanted to start shining the spotlight on artists and other types of accounts who inspire me or, or, or are just creating work that I want to help amplify or, or just kind of get to know better. Um, and so, so Torque is the first in a series um, that I'm really, really excited about and hopefully will become a bit more of the norm of the show. Obviously, I'm still going to be doing the whole unfriending thing, but uh, hopefully this will be intermixed throughout. So without further ado, please enjoy my interview with one of my artistic heroes. This is a guy who I have been uh, in awe of since I was 17 years old. I, I still remember exactly where I was when my friend Danny put on Set Yourself on Fire for the first time and, and changed my entire world. So this interview was an incredible honor, and um, I think you're really going to enjoy it. And hopefully it is a sign of more things to come. But without further ado, lean back, get comfy, turn up the volume. Enjoy my interview with Tor Campbell here on Friendless. So this week on Friendless, I have a, a, a guest uh, that needs no introduction, but I could rattle off all kinds of, uh, of his accomplishments. He's the co-lead of Stars. He is uh, the lead of Memphis. He's a playwright. He's an actor. He's a podcast host of the Soft Revolution. He's also, if you Google him wrong, he may be the 13th Duke of Argyle. I'm not yes, entirely yes. sure about that. Yes, uh, yes, <laughs> I am. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yes, it's me. Yes. yes. In the, same. the one, yeah. the only Torkel Campbell. How, how the fuck are you, man? I'm Dude. good. I just got over the dreaded 19. Um, oh, yes. Which, uh, you know, was interesting. I don't know if you've had it, but I, no. I do. Thank God for those vaccines, because you do feel oh. like the first day you're like, oh, boy, this is going to be absolutely fucking horrible. And then yeah. it sort of just peters out. Like you can feel... <laughs> You can feel your body kicking into gear against it, and it just yeah. sort of, it just dilutes into nothingness. Oh. So I was very lucky. So yes, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm okay. We came home from tour. I got sick, and now I'm fine. And tour was, um, you know, fascinating. Like yeah. in the darkest days of lockdown, and in the 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 times when everybody thought nothing. Um, would be the same or maybe even hoped nothing would be the same mm -hmm. I, I really didn't know whether we would ever be able to do what we just did again and we did yeah. it so that's awesome and I feel triumphant about that and and I remember all and it was nice to just like de-romanticize it as well and remember sure. that there's a whole bunch of things about it that are you know not that pleasant but a bunch kind of things of that are yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. so um it was great isn't that one great. of the fun things too about like uh, about art in general? And that's something that I really noticed yeah. through the lockdown and then coming back to it is like you really get those rosy tinted like all I want to do is be doing a play and I just want to be yes. on stage and I want to and then you get on stage and you're like oh this is kind of bullshit in a way. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I think that's the nature of life, isn't it? It's yes, and that's a beautiful thing. Like you know, they always say that um, when 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 a person gives birth they don't remember giving birth, mm -hmm. you know, like my wife's like, I have no memory of actually giving birth. Lock and apparently that's because the pain is so bad exactly. that if you did remember it, you'd never have another kid, right? It would yeah, be, it would yeah. be <laughs> anti-biological for the brain to hold on to that memory. You just hold on to the, oh, I had a beautiful child and oh, yeah. it so, smells so good and I'm holding it close. Yep. And I think that's any creative act requires a lot of boredom. Mm -hmm. and a lot of pain and a lot of mm -hmm. doubt and a lot of misery 
but uh, the result is beauty and that's the course. thing you that's the thing your memory holds on to to make to yeah. fool you into doing it yeah. all again you know so. <laughs> it's the it, you forget the month leading up but you only remember opening night right you yeah. Know, yeah 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 you know, exactly you know speaking on um sort of speaking on the lockdown stuff um um I, you actually were the first uh, musician that I saw doing um, like kind of at home work. Uh, you had done, you were, you were, yeah. uh, I, I got to, <laughs> I got to witness the, uh, the Facebook that, that didn't work. The, the like live show oh, that Jesus. didn't work. And then you moved yeah. to, uh, you moved to zoom. Thanks and, Mark. Uh, <laughs> 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 fucking Zuckerberg. I mean, uh, you know, that's what you get for putting though. your faith in Mark Zuckerberg, I guess. Yeah, I you mean, know? I, 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 um, I immediately panicked. That's generally my reaction to most things mm -hmm. is panic. And I have been doing this all my life. I come from mm -hmm. a family of people who made their living in, in performance. Yeah. And I've been performing since I was eight years old. And honestly, man, it's so crazy to me that I never once in 40 years heard anybody discuss the possibility that an airborne pathogen could bring the entire live performance industry to its knees. It yeah. never occurred to any of us for some reason. It's like <laughs> we, we thought of all kinds of things, but no yeah. one thought like, hey, we should have a plan just in case there's a virus that goes around. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. when it happened, I really did feel this massive sense of, of fear that I, I didn't mm. know what to do. You know, I had bills to pay. Within 24 hours, everyone in my family lost their job. My sister lost her job. Oh, my brother lost yeah. his job. I lost my job. My wife lost her job. And I was looking around at this desolation, and I had to make a living. I had to do something. So I just started to hustle, and I started to try and figure out a whole bunch of stuff that I'd never had to think about before. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll always be grateful in a way for that because I learned so fucking much about yeah about technology, about um, sending signals out through the internet, about sound, <laughs> about recording, about all kinds of stuff that I had kind of left to other people always yeah, to do. Yeah, sure. And yeah. I was alone, right? I was I couldn't rely on anybody else. Mm -hmm. So I just had to like get the YouTube videos out and start figuring it out for myself. And yeah. and um, yeah, that's kind of my reaction to things is to work, you know, because sure. it, it's like a way of wrestling some little bit of control back and um i i look back on those times as very panicky you know yeah. like the facebook live show that was such a disaster and like had a fight with my wife live on the air it was beautiful i was i was loving it i was oh living my, for it my god my wife wasn't such a big fan but um but but yeah it was it was cool to you know i i I give myself a pat on the back and all the musicians yeah. out there for doing Fuck that yeah. because it really was just kind of like, okay, here's two pieces of tinfoil and a couple of plates make something mm -hmm. happen. So yeah, it was cool. It was cool. And it was, it was really interesting. You know, uh, you know, I, I was working in theater at the time and, and I was trying to adapt. We were doing these like monthly shows with a couple different theaters and in, in, I was living in Saskatoon at the time and we were doing little like community theater stuff. And we were originally doing them in person then obviously couldn't do that. And we had to put them on, you know, zoom and on live. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it was an interesting experience from both sides, right. As an audience and as a creator, um, did you find, for you, did you find, uh, how do I put it? Did you find any satisfaction in that type of performance or did you find that it was just something to sort of span the time before you could get back to what actually gave you validation and fulfillment? I'll be honest with you, it was profoundly unsatisfying. And I, yeah. think, I, I think this was the big sort of revelation that no one's quite reckoned with yet about mm -hmm. um, online performance is... Yes, it is better than absolutely nothing, but it is not the thing. It is not no. the thing itself. It's a completely it's a other thing. It's, it's a vacuum. Yeah. And and I I will never forget that first moment of like, okay, here goes the concert and the, the feed came on, you know, I start playing and I look into this camera mm -hmm. and you know, you're on Zoom and so people are sending encouraging messages and you can see their faces yeah. and stuff, but it only accentuated the separation in a strange way. It didn't Yes. It it, it didn't actually um, give you any feeling of connection other than you were connected in your separateness. And, and I think that that's, that's true of not just performance, but of all the efforts all of us made 
in the early days of the pandemic to try and stay in touch with each other. Those horrible social gatherings, you know, you try and have or trivia nights with your friends or whatever it was. <laughs> Everybody tried their best, right? We were all lonely. We were scared. We yeah. wanted to show each other our faces and let each other know we were there. And it came from a beautiful place, but I think it was ultimately profoundly unsatisfying in, yeah. in ways that none of us could have ha have anticipated. And I think that's <laughs> what's that's what I find so interesting about the project that you're doing is mm. is we have this digital notion of friendship now mm -hmm. that like we call people friends who we've never actually met, and that's a beautiful that is a cool thing that is a sure. that is a good thing. But I think maybe we need a different word for it than friends, yes. right? It's like, oh my God, it, that's a question I'm always asking myself. Yeah. Is this like, it's like, you're not my friend. I still, I still have the capacity to give you love. That's, a, that's, that, that's easy, right. really. Like, I, right. I don't fight that, but it's like, but yeah, are you, are you a friend? Is that what that is? Yeah. Does friendship actually mean having walked beside someone, you know, like physically walked beside them or, or yep. sat in the same place as them and watched the same sunset or, or smelled the same pasta coming to the table or whatever it is. Like yep. is friendship actually a biological mm. experience rather than an emotional one? Because mm -hmm. emotions are everywhere. I mean, the internet is a very emotional place. It's easy to get emotional <laughs> yes. on the internet. God knows, yes. but it's hard to get intimate. And, mm. um, that that was a, a a big learning experience for me. It was the, yes. just realizing like you can't replace. We're social animals, man. We exactly. don't like being alone. We do not like being alone. We like the exactly. smell of our own. To quote the hidden cameras, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, you've described in the past. You've you've called your band uh, a gang. It's like it's like one of the reasons you kind of start a band is so that you've got yeah. a little gang to protect you and and to always sort of walk through the world together you know and it's always been something that i've found deeply inspiring by spy stars and by the band that you have together um and and i wonder with this new album that's come out um you know because you were talking about it you've been doing a patreon and you've been doing a lot of you know digital work together and you've been recording together and and, and it's finally come out and i wonder if the you know all these feelings and all these things that have come out of the lockdowns and of the separations um, how much of that do you find got channeled into the album and, and how much of that do you think like affected the sort of the friendship of the band? A, a ton, a ton. Yeah. Hey. Um, I think looking back, a lot of the lyrics that Amy and I wrote were kind of letters to each other mm -hmm. that were trying to each other to stay stay sane, stay happy, not get too sad, not get too lost. Um, and the, the, the absence, the physical absence of having those people in my life, the longest time since 2001, right? Like yeah, the longest yeah. time I hadn't seen those people in 20 years. Um, yeah. and, and, and as far as Chris Seligman goes, who I started the band with, I've been friends with that guy since I was eight years old. So that was the longest I hadn't seen Chris in, in 40 years, basically. Yeah. Um, it, it, it. I think the the kind of warmth of the record and the tone of trying to find some place of peace, which I think mm. is prevalent in the record, is because that is what we were attempting to do for each other. We were trying to soothe each mm. other through sending each other music, staying in touch, trying to keep the project moving forward. Mm -hmm. It was like self-soothing, you know? We were just trying yeah. to make, to reassure each other that, we were there out there yeah. somewhere and uh, I'll never forget the first time we actually managed to get together was, um, was summer of 2020. Um, we met on a lawn in this house that Evan and Amy were staying at in the country. And like, that was still like pre-vaccine. Nobody really knew how the thing spread. We didn't really know if we could just give it to each other by, being in the same fucking landscape we was around exactly yeah we just didn't know so we were we really were conscious that we didn't want to make anybody sick so we sat in this big circle on the grass and we we hung out and it was like exactly the same feeling as like getting together with an old lover you yeah, know like that yeah. feeling of like longing that you're not physically able to touch them the way you used to or hold them or kiss them or hug them 
but you still feel that heart pull towards them and their their physical presence seemed so miraculous in a way that they were back in front of me Mm -hmm. and um and that was a really strong moment of knowing that we had to keep going with this that Mm -hmm. that the love is was physical and real and and wasn't gonna die because of distance you know so i do think the record a lot of the record is is just about trying to find that place the the name of the records from capleton hill and i think capleton hill refers to this place in north hatley where i've gone every summer of my life and my mother went every summer of her life and her father went every summer of his life and so on and so on for 120 years and and it's a place where things don't change you know the house we have there which we can't be in in the winter it's a, a wooden house and there's no heat and um, you shut it up every year, right? Like you close it up, you put the boards on the windows. And so it's this really palpable, really strong metaphor for how time passes and how y- you count, you know, there may be only this many times we get to open and close the house again. Mm-hmm. And now there's this many times and, and, and yet things don't change there. The house hasn't changed. The furniture doesn't change. We don't change mm-hmm. it. And so when you're on Capleton Hill, it's it's you're coming from a place where things don't change. And yeah. I think the record was we wanted to give something to some to, to people where they could go, where in a world of constant turmoil and constant change, music, pop songs, they don't change. You can mm-hmm. put on tracks of my tears right now and it sounds exactly the same as it did 50 years ago. And yeah. that's what I love about it. It can take you yeah. to that place, that hill where like you can look out at a changing world, but you're staying the same for three minutes, you know? Yeah. What's really magic about it too, though, and I think that's what's so fascinating about the sort of dialogue that gets created with engaging with art and of any kind is that is that what changes is you, you know, because where who exactly. you are when you come to it, right? When you come yeah. back to this house, you're a different person every summer, right? You know, and so exactly. it's, it, you know, exactly. a song... A song, yes, it remains, but but you don't, and so you. I was a child, then I was a young person, then I was a father, then my father died. You know, so all these things happen. That's that's that is the beauty of of having a place you can go to. That Mm -hmm. um, you know, they say you can't go home again, and Mm -hmm. and it's kind of true because home is like it is inside you. It is in the memory. It's not in the physical space. It's Mm -hmm. in the memory. I've been thinking a lot about one, actually. There's a really similar quote. I, I, I believe it was Gertrude Stein, and she said, there is no there there. Uh-huh. Um, right? You yeah. know, and it's this idea of, like, yeah, it's like when, you you know, I, she was writing about bo- going back to her childhood home, and she was like, yeah. it's just it's just a home, you know? Yeah. It's, 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 it's not, it's not, it's not what it was, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. even though, even though it is the same boards, and it is the same door, and all those things. And I, yeah. I find that endlessly fast. It's, it's interesting, too, actually, to hear you describing the intentions behind the album because it's very much what I heard just sort of in, instinctually, you know, I've, I've been listening Good. to the album a lot and, and I've been feeling this very like under like undercurrent of comfort, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and I've been trying to figure out why, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it feels very much like, um, you know, it feels very much like a bit of a callback to some of your early work, but then it oh. also feels like, you know, very new and very fresh. And so it's, well, we it's, made it feels it very in, full circle, you know? We made it in Montreal, you know, and we made it with Jace Lasik, who is a dear old friend. And Jace is like, Jace is the sound of, of that era. Like J- Jace, he has this beautiful studio, Break Glass Studios, that he's had for years and years. And he's has an amazing band called the Besnard Lakes, who I'm sure you know about. And Mm-hmm. Um, Jace has been responsible for so many classic Montreal albums and, and worked on so many albums that captured that era. And yeah. so going back and working with him again and being around his energy, it was a real celebration of like what we founded together and what we made together mm-hmm. and the world that we come from. And I think that that wasn't, initially like where we thought it would go but because we ended up working with jace we just embraced that feeling of like yeah let's make a 2005 record let's let's be at peace with our legacy let's not try and push forward let's try and like consolidate what we've done Mm -hmm. and rely on you know brass instruments and strings and arrangements and the warmth of jace's studio and the warmth of his personality he's an incredibly Mm -hmm. warm guy he just makes everybody feel safe and yeah. so I think that that came out in the music quite a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. 
the other so I I, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to sort of <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to clock the time and I've got so many things I want to ask you about. No, so no, no trouble. I you know I um so another thing that came out of the pandemic for you and this is something I've been uh, you know uh, I've been listening to your to your podcast to Soft Revolution with uh, Ali Momin and um and uh, I I first I would kind of wanted to ask you about the 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 uh the sort of formation of it but I also y- y- there was a very recent episode where you talked about a ton of things that I think I've been personally grappling with through this show and through just my own interaction with social media so uh, I've got all kinds of questions about that but first I kind of want to hear about um the idea of the formation of this show and and where it came from and and uh and how well, it's going with you yeah it, thanks for asking about it because it's that really has been talk about a weird friendship like ali and i have seen <laughs> each other once physically during the last two years that we've been making wow. that podcast together we've done a yeah. hundred episodes just like you and i are doing this right now mm. um and it was something that Ali and I, I knew Ali from the Shaw Festival. My wife, Moya, is uh, was an actor for many years at the Shaw Festival in right. in, in, in uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake in Canada, and uh, which is a great theater festival. And Ali was an actor there, too. So I met Ali as a very young man who came there, and he was just this super smart, engaging guy who was really friendly and who was willing to argue with me, who would like tell mm. me, oh, you're full of shit. That's such bullshit. You know, like we would sit, it, most people just roll their eyes and find an excuse to go to the bathroom when I start <laughs> ranting. But Ali would hang in there with me and yep. like actually yeah. be like, no, I'm challenging you on that. That's not true. That isn't true. And we always had this great rapport with each other. And uh, he he had said to me a couple of times in passing, oh, hey, we should do a podcast together. And then when mm. lockdown happened, it, we had already decided we were going to do it. Right. At, like literally the week before we were like, okay, let's finally do this thing. And then lockdown uh, happened. And so it turned yeah. into this kind of diary of what it was like to experience that. And, yeah. um, you know, Ali is a very, I don't, I hate the word political. Ali cares about the world. He's an yes. activist. And I, I think at the beginning of the podcast, he very much believed that you could foment change within the political system. And sure. I, I was already skeptical of that idea. <laughs> and yeah. so, but we both believed that what the political system really needed was creativity. Like, you know, they always ask scientists what they think and they ask economists what they think and they ask sociologists what they think, but they don't mm-hmm. ask artists what they think. And so yeah. much of public policy is made without empathy, without imagination, without a sense of creativity. And so it really was kind of an advocacy podcast to say like, hey, let's bring creative voices, artistic voices into the political conversation because mm-hmm. they can help. They can make public policy more compassionate and more more horizontal and, and less mm-hmm. kind of linear in, in its thinking. And then the, the lockdown happened. So then it turned into a, a podcast that a lot of it was about just like, how do we make it through this? How do yeah. we survive? Um, what is the existential question at the heart of this for artists whose living depends on people being able to gather together? Right. Um, and then as we've kind of moved out of lockdown and moved into this new era of confusion and mayhem that we're presently in, I think the podcast has evolved into a conversation between me and Ali about what we do now. How do you make mm-hmm. art in a world where corporate oligarchy is ever more prevalent and where the screws are being tightened ever more firmly in on any kind of independent thought, any kind of independent mm-hmm. action? Um, and we try to get people on there, whether they're um, right, whether they're intellectuals or academics or they're artists or they're activists who are trying to make something happen outside of the algorithm, outside mm-hmm. of the corporate structure, outside of these fences that have been put up around our conversations and our projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that's why I was so intrigued by your project, because right. whether it's emotion, whether it's personal relationships, or it's business, the algorithm is fucking us it is it is locking us down into places we don't want to be turning Mm -hmm. us into people we don't want to be and everybody knows it we all feel Mm -hmm. it 
Mm-hmm. And the only way to but we, but we still tap in, but right? we, we still, still tap we in because it feels like, yeah. well, if I don't tap in, then I'm not a part of the conversation. I'm not a part of what's happening. Exactly. And, and, and like, can you take a friendship offline and still have mm-hmm. a friendship? Does it really will it last? You know, mm-hmm. is it mm-hmm. is it strong enough to be more than just like liking somebody's birthday or sending them a exactly. template wish? So that yeah. really, to me, is is where Ali and I are both at now in terms of what I think is useful about Mm -hmm. podcasts, which allow for long form thought, which, which force the listener not to react because there's no Mm. like instantaneous message board. You can go on to shoot your take back at the host. You just have to listen to it. And Mm -hmm. if you're pissed off, you can write us a letter, but it's going to take some effort on your part and it's going to take some reflection. It can't just be this instant reaction. And, mm-hmm. and I do love that about the podcast form. It, it is yeah. going back to an analog form of communication, even though we're using digital technology, mm-hmm. where we're the, the, the structure around the conversation is human. And mm-hmm. there needs to be a lot more of that. What an interesting, what an interesting take on that, actually. Yeah, it's really, um, oh, man, you just made my brain just like spiderweb in a bunch <laughs> of different directions. You know what yeah, I mean? But, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really important that we consciously start mm-hmm. to to make these choices it's great that people aren't using plastic bags anymore and it's great that they're sure. banning plastic bags but to mm-hmm. me the algorithm is like the plastic bag it's convenient mm. it's easy you can throw your yeah. ideas into it carry it around but it's yeah. gonna fucking sit there and never ever deteriorate it's just gonna be this container forever you know and i don't want my ideas to be contained i want them to disseminate i want them to go into the soil because i don't know if i'm right or wrong i just want to be part of the conversation you know i just want the ideas to be out there and to have equal weight along with all the other soil not just this big fucking pile in the middle you know So there's something there's something I've been thinking a lot about recently that I, I, I my therapist put this on me recently where he was talking about, you know, because I, you know, I work through a lot of anxiety and a lot of shame and a lot of all those fun join, things. Join that the are, club. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, and one of them is this feeling of, of deep de- dissatisfaction with with, you know, my career and my creative career and all these things that I thought would happen and then never happened. And, yeah. oh, it must be because of me. Right. You know, and 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 he was like what he said was um, you can't be special and help people and Mm. you can't create meaning without helping people Mm. so what happens is on on the internet you are forced to make yourself someone right we're all we're all expected to be a profile we're all expected to be this this special page that other people come to and they interact with this page they're not interacting with you because you're not a human you're just you're their phone an avatar right? you know yep. and exactly you know and yep. so but you're you're special you're the special person and and people get to decide whether they like you or not and they get to say harmful or nice things to you or not and 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 it doesn't create anything good <laughs> you know it, it creates a, a, a just a, a closed loop of like of viciousness and anger and and it loses the point so quickly. Or sort of self-congratulatory. Um, exactly. The other type echo of chambers, Right? Exactly. Like there, there's either this, look how much of an asshole this guy is, or there's look how much of a saint this guy is. But either Bingo. way, you are, you are missing the nuance. You are missing the context. Exactly. You are missing the potential for your mind to be changed. Um, exactly. You know, I, I think one of the sort of unexplored terriblenesses of social media is the profile heading. In other words, sure. like, you know, do you have a mask on in your Twitter photo? Do you have your Ukraine flag? Do you have your Black Lives Matter? Do you have your, <laughs> yep. or do you have your MAGA hat? And do you have mm-hmm. your, you know, scamdemic hashtag? And all these things mm-hmm. that the ad company, i.e. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, is using to target ads at you, right? Like hashtags were invented just so they could isolate, micro-isolate you, a exactly. demographic and then sell you shaving cream or whatever the fuck it right. is. Yeah. And yet, as humans, you know, just like we like to write our favorite band names on our binders at school, or we like to wear badges, <laughs> or we like to wear a t-shirt with our favorite band on it, they yeah. used that human instinct for tribalism and for connection 
to mm. to make us think that what we were doing was talking about what made us unique, but actually mm. what we were doing was pointing out what made us completely generic. Because yes. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's entirely possible that like it is entirely possible that someone with a MAGA symbol on their Twitter feed might be really, really kind to their neighbors. Absolutely. Might be the kind of guy that you can go over and borrow some salt off of and would give you the shirt off his back. And for whatever sure. reason, his private morality and his public morality have been divorced within his mind to a degree yes. where he has like a different set of morality for people he knows and people he doesn't know. And that's yep. not great. I'm not happy about no. that. That's too bad. Of but it also is true that like someone with a BLM flag and a fucking you whatever can be yep. a total selfish prick. Exactly. You know, yes, like exactly. yeah. we can share the same political values, but that doesn't mean you're a good person and that person's a bad person. Those two things mm -hmm. are not indistinguishable. And yeah. I think it's incredibly important that we start to recognize that. And mm. and it's hard because what it means is we got to stop giving each other purity tests. No yes. one's eventually no one will pass the purity test. There will be no one I left was, except you. <laughs> you know? That's just it. I think I think it was Ali who said in a recent episode where he said uh, progressivism without forgiveness isn't progressivism. No, you know? it's, it's, and puritanism. I, that, that, it's puritanism. It's puritanism. That's just it. That's what that it is. That one rocked me because it yeah. was like that. That was that was exactly the sentiment I was going for, where it's like, how, how so how do we progress? Because if you are if you are if you are dead because of the choices you made at 18 and you're now 45, the fuck are you supposed to do? Like, right. how can, how is that even, how is that even something that you can look at and think is justified? And it's you know? not that you, it's, you, fairness, it's not that you can't, you know? it's not that you can't, uh, that you shouldn't be accountable for the, for not. the things you do and say in this world. Of mm -hmm. course you should be accountable for 100%. those things, but you should also be given the, the grace, mm -hmm. uh, the possibility that your mind could be changed or that you mm -hmm. may slip up in some ways, be really shitty in some ways, and in other ways, really be there for people and really exactly. be a good person. So mm -hmm. that doesn't work within an algorithmic framework, right? That does That's not, it. Because it's like, does well, not do compute, do? does not compute. Exactly. It's zeros yeah. and ones, zeros and ones, zeros and ones. Mm -hmm. And there's no half degree in there. No. That's not how yeah. the algorithm works. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's up to us. If the companies won't turn the algorithm off, and they could. Mm -hmm. I think it's important oh, for yeah. people to remember, like it's literally as simple as somebody over at Facebook headquarters flicking a mm -hmm. switch. Mm -hmm. If they if they're not going to do that, then we have to we have to supersede the algorithm by assuming good intent and yeah. by taking people um, not just as they come, but as they emerge over time, you know. Wow. <laughs> What a good way of putting it. And that's and that you know and that's another thing to keep in mind too is that it's like this is all they know they fucked up. This is the problem right. is that like Facebook, Twitter, all these people they know yeah. that the algorithm is fucking us. They're yeah. fully aware. It's the same way that like you know oil companies have known about climate change since the 60s. You know what I mean? Like they right. they know that they're fucking us, but they, they don't care do. because it's making them money. Because it's you know? making and them money. You know, you know, so but on that, you know, on that note of this idea of like, you know, the, the algorithms and, and how they're channeling us, what do you what do we do, you know, as creatives, as artists, you know, with all these things that are pushing on us, this idea of this move into crypto versus money, yeah. this idea of like the pornification of relationships, <laughs> the idea of like NFTs instead of yeah. concrete art, you know, all these things. You know, something something you were talking about earlier that I, I think about a ton is this is this, you know, right when lockdown happened, there was the this um do you know I'll, I'm gonna say his name wrong, but it's he's a philosopher with a lisp. It's like Zizek or Zizek or something like that. Uh -huh. And one of his very famous quotes yes, is he um, said, the I'll, Polish I'll, I'll guy. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's always he's... wiping his mouth, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he said, I'll see you in hell or I'll see you in communism, right? And uh -huh. it was this idea that like we we are about to witness the the the, the collapse and yeah. and we're going to have to fill it with something that is going to create love and empathy and connection and instead we got two years of these corporations digging in deeper making untold riches it's, and and taking deeper control of everything you know it's unconscionable and we came out of it 
Exactly, exactly. It's and 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 we have come out of it now with uh with less autonomy, less control. We're all poorer, we're all worse off, we're all sicker, we're all more stressed. Like there yeah. is nothing is better two years later. Yeah. You know? And 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 I don't know what, what the is fuck to be done. Do. What yeah. is to be done? I I, I I wake up every day as many of us do asking this question of myself. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, I think what is to be done is both incredibly difficult and very simple, which is talk to each other, hmm. you know, and not talk to each other over through through a medium, mm-hmm. actually physically talk to each other, um, get a little nosy, you know, get to know your <laughs> yeah. neighbors, maybe a little bit more than you or they are comfortable with, um, sure. uh, strike up conversations in diners or in the line at the grocery store be Mm. friendly i think is really the enemy of the algorithm friendliness is the enemy Uh. of these structures the the divide and conquer ethos is being put in place on a level that has never been seen in human history before and it's not just being put in place by cynical right-wing horrible people it's being put in place by very smart left-wing people too for their mm-hmm. own purposes. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, it, it seems to me that COVID, the COVID conversation online is a perfect example of how eventually two opposing sides will meet in the middle of a circle. You know, the Bingo. COVID zero people and there's no COVID people, shut the fuck up, both of you. Like, we're <laughs> all just trying to live our lives here. Um, yeah. Unless you're an infectious disease doctor, I'm really not interested in your opinion on whether or not I should wear a mask or get a vaccine. It's none of your fucking business. When I go to the yeah. mechanic, I get my car fixed. When I go to the doctor, I follow medical advice. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck are you? So, like, I think <laughs> that's the industry, the economy around expertise and around, mm-hmm. you know, punditry and around people's takes. Mm-hmm. Th- that only exists if we give them that power. That only exists if we take uh, an interest in that, in their words. So, uh, you know, I, I am I am constantly encouraging people to not, like, quote, tweet stuff they hate. Quotes, mm-hmm. to quote, tweet stuff you love. Foment yeah. the presence of things online that you find beautiful and life-affirming. Yes, the mm-hmm. algorithm will reject it. Yes, it will not get right. you lots of retweets. It will not get yeah. you lots get of two likes. likes. Maybe yeah. exactly, yeah. but you will have actually maybe done something literally positive that day for maybe mm-hmm. just one fucking other person, and yeah. and they're really scared of that. They're really scared yeah. that the internet might turn into what they promised it would be at the very beginning. Remember when it oh. was like, "Hey, it's just going to be you and a bunch of people who are interested in Dungeons and Dragons having a great day yeah. together." Yeah, that, it can still be that as mm-hmm. long as we don't play their game, as long as we are in play, hmm. we are we are victims. And so I, I think a friend of mine, Chris Abraham, who I think is a very brilliant guy who I work with a lot, who's a theater director in Toronto. Yeah. He said to me, like, I don't even know that, like, that even saying nice stuff online is that useful because you're in play. You're like the ball is in play. You are still bouncing around in their data and they're still trying to find a way to send you in the direction they want to send you. And so those kind actions need to happen in analog life, in real life. And that's awkward. It's difficult after two years of being apart. It's difficult when some people are scared, when some people are still afraid they're going to get this disease. It's Mm -hmm. difficult to step through that veil that digital veil Mm. into the real world veil and i'll come back to why i admire what you're doing james you know i think Mm. the questions you're asking about what friendship means what intimacy means how can you be friends with someone are crucial and and they're they're um they're playful i think Mm -hmm. you know let's let's do uh, my therapist your therapist my therapist talks a lot (laughs) about playfulness about playful thought that the, the way out of a lot of darkness is playfulness. And that doesn't mean mm-hmm. Pollyanna stuff. It doesn't mean like everything's going to be okay. It means <laughs> yeah, that toxic positivity can fuck no, all. No, no, no. Yeah. It means yeah. find the break in it. Find the breaking yes. point in the thought. 
and start yeah. to dig a little bit into that breaking point, into mm -hmm. that fissure. Because in that morass, in that uncertainty, is, is good stuff, is humanity, mm -hmm. is a, a place where we can all meet in uncertainty. There's way too mm. much certainty going on. There's not enough uncertainty, <laughs> you know? Everyone's so fucking certain about, like Ukraine, yeah. okay? Like, yeah, they know exactly what they're talking Vladimir about. Vladimir Putin's right? a sociopath. I, everyone yeah. agrees. Russia invading Ukraine is terrible, and it's caused lots of suffering. Yeah. Now, so is Vladimir Zelensky Jesus Christ? Of course uh, not. I don't. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. You know, like glory to Ukraine, but how many mm -hmm. children are going to die for that glory? Like exactly. Let's just all take a minute here. We don't have to mm -hmm. choose teams all the fucking time. You exactly. can be on team yourself. Yes. You know, you can be on team humanity. You can Especially be like, when you were, I don't know uh, what I think about this. You know, that's I don't just, know. you know, when you were uh, when you were a virologist last week and now suddenly you're an expert in geopolitical yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, schemes. It's like, but, but I, that's I can't believe you had that kind of Ph.D. But that's you know? not <laughs> arrogance. That's people's desire to be part of a group. Right. It's like 100 percent. It's, exactly. it's just people's desire to run to where they feel warm. And that's mm -hmm. human. That's there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's just that we need to encourage each other and make an environment where we feel safe, not just immediately espousing a point of view because we think it it, it, it lands in our political or social milieu. Scores you points for your team. It, yeah. Maybe you don't yeah. maybe you don't agree with your friend that day. And you know what? Yeah. You can still be friends the next day. It's okay exactly. to not agree on every single goddamn thing. I used to hang out yeah. with metalheads, man. I didn't yeah. I wasn't into metal. But everybody knows metalheads are the biggest sweetie pies in the world. So that's the best those, are the kids, those are the kids I hung out with because they were nicer yep. than the fucking cool kids that listened to the same exactly. music I did. So yep. I just think that the Internet is, is kind of the death of that. And that mm. when you wake up in the morning and you've spent your time online, do yourself give yourself a treat and like mm. don't don't take that into the outside world. If you see yeah. someone wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, don't assume you know why. Don't assume you, mm. you think it's some political statement. Hey, maybe they're immune compromised or maybe they're allergic to the fiber in the mask. You don't know. Just say something yeah. nice to them and see where it goes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, you, um, you're 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 really giving voice to a lot of the things that I've been like wanting to scream at people. You well, know what I mean? think but it's there's like, a, I think I there's a growing minority right? of you us. <laughs> I hear a lot yeah. of people talking this way uh, when I yes. talk to them in real life. When I do shows and I talk to people after the show, I don't hear this like blanket, you know, mm -hmm. kind of whitewash political mm -hmm. unanimity well, on anything only lives on twitter you know like yep. people don't talk or, like that in they real don't life. talk like that and they don't actually they're not as sure about stuff as they as they seem to be right exactly i know that i'm not i know that i i sound different and i act different online than i do in real life and so i can only totally. assume that everybody else does as well and the mm -hmm. people that i meet in real life i like a lot more than the people that i meet in digital life You know, the show has really at its heart become this question of of have I been a good friend? You know, and uh -huh. and 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 what I'm does that mean to that, you? Like, what does being a good so friend this mean is to just you? It. So this is I was going to put it to you, but I can okay. I can answer it first. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? you go like, first because like, I'm interested. You know, it's really it's really morphed. Um, it's really morphed for me. And what it, what I've come to realize, you mentioned earlier about this idea of um, if it's off if it's off online you know if it's off if it's offline <laughs> yeah. um well will it will it survive will it last and what will yeah. it be worth and that's something that has really grown in my mind is this idea of um this wasn't something we used to worry about you uh -huh. know this wasn't a this wasn't a stress we used to have uh -huh. and in a way i almost equate it to the same feeling of um when you quit smoking what i i smoked for years and and before i smoked or before i quit i was like well, what am I going to do at parties? What am I going right. to do with my hands? What am I going right. to do if I want to, right? You know, what am and I going to do, do if I have 10 minutes to spare and I just got nothing exactly. to do? Exactly. Yeah. And, and what yeah. you realize is you just do something else, yeah. you know, like you yeah. just, you, it's, it's fine, you know, and I haven't smoked in 10 years because of that, because it's like, I just found other shit to do, you know? Yeah. And so this, this stress of like, what's it going to be worth? 
just disappears. Um, and and you realize that um, something I'm really grateful for with the show is it, it does one of two things with every interview is either it goes in one direction where we remember how much we like each other and we and we figure out ways to stay in touch. And, and sometimes it's really great for a couple weeks and then it peters off and then sometimes it's consistent and whatever it might be. Mm. But we just give each other kindness as much as we can. Mm -hmm. The other direction it goes in is... Um, we've just had one great hour and we might not speak again, but we've spoken very kindly and openly and intimately for an hour. And that's yeah. the best gift we could give each other, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and that's what it's become for me is this idea of, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. Interesting. So if, if, if I can only give you one great hour for the rest of our lives, that's then still that a friendship bingo. That, that, exactly. that you were friends for an hour. That's an interesting exactly. idea that, yeah. Because I do think people have this attachment to the notion that if someone's a friend, they stay a friend, mm -hmm. and it's exactly. this, it's this thing you have to keep doing all the time. You're always, <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. This. You're always, you know everything. But I, about I everything. love that you notion know? of friendship, yeah. just being like you have a nice conversation with someone on the subway. That was a friendship, exactly. That you exactly. had, for and if a I run while, into you, you are exactly. a friend if again. If I run into you, exactly. You know, yeah. we, you know, we speak for an hour. I don't see you for ten years. We <laughs> run into each other. We go, holy shit! What? Are you, how are you? We talk for five minutes. That's like. It wasn't that we hated each other for ten years, you know. Yeah. It's just that yeah. like we're we're both on this rock falling through eternity, and gravity doesn't actually exist. We're just falling so fast that it's pushing us onto this rock. Like it's yeah. like we're we we lose track of the things that are real because they're they're it's you know because of I think texting phones, has you know? a big big amount of blame to 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 share in this as well because. Yeah. You know, you used to maybe talk to an old friend every six months or every year. You'd get on the blower and you'd talk for two, three hours. You'd have a really good exactly. chat. Now yeah. it's this kind of occasional missives shot out to each other about, oh, I thought doing? of you oh, doing yeah. this or, oh, I saw this mm -hmm. funny thing or, hey, how are mm -hmm. you? And, and and so you make that little loop. You make that reconnect again. But that mm -hmm. it's the thinnest of connections. It's the most tenuous exactly. possible connection. And it it staves off the hunger but it doesn't feed the friendship, you know, exactly. it doesn't like actually enrich. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I am conscious of that, that like, I try not to text my friends too much because mm. it relieves me of the responsibility of calling them, of actually calling wow. them up and saying, Hey, yeah. it, it's me. Do you have half an hour? I'm going to take the time to tell you how I really am and how, where I'm really yeah. at and how are you? And, you know, and, and I think particularly with men, frankly, that's a difficult thing. You know, like men, 100%. men struggle with this more than women do. And mm -hmm. and um, and I, I, I every time I make that moment, every time I make that space in my day to call a dear friend and actually have that conversation, I'm so fucking thankful I did. And oh, it's always better. It, yep. it, it, it's we I think we just are being fed pellets. You know, James, we're always <laughs> yeah. being fed these yep. little social pellets now. And what we yep. need is a fucking full meal, you know, that's not just, just constant it. pellets. And that's, yeah. you get that through conversation, you know, like I, you know, I think if the best you can do is something like this, I think that is, it is a good step. You know, I think that this is substantially better than a text or, or, you know, but, but like, but yeah, if you can be in person, obviously that's the ideal because there's such a, you know, we're, 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 we're warm bodies, right. Yep. You know, we like being yep. around warm bodies yep. and we feel there's, there is, you know, it's like, it's like, um, it's like watching um, a piece of theater versus watching that film theater, you yep. know? And it's like, yep. it, you're just watching a bad movie. Whereas when you're watching a play, you're like, holy fuck, I'm with you. Exactly. You know, it's like a, it's a ritual, right? And, 100%. And, and you feel it. You know? 100%. And, and, um, so, are, so we're you know, friends that, now, yeah. right? Like we've never yeah, been. Absolutely. We're, we don't know. Should now, do we cut contact on social media now? <laughs> is that how it I works? don't know what to do. You know, I, this is the thing. This is the thing. I don't know what to do now with, with a guest like you because I'm sort <laughs> yeah. of like, you know, the. Because look, and this is where so much of my internal conflict comes from too about something like an interview with you is that it's like, or or just with in general is this idea of like I want to be off social media so bad, but then I'm also like, but I still want to be seen. I'm yeah, still not, I'm not over. You know, if I'm you're not, not there, are you? If if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to retweet it, does it anybody hear it? You know, it's like it's Bingo. the exact same thing. So it's yeah. I think you know what we should do is just make a deal to speak again soon. I'd know? love that. I uh, really you, would. You, you really come would. on, you, I'll tell you what, this is the way we'll do it. You'll come on my podcast next and talk you about, uh, talk about friendless and, and, and about what you, what your project's been like. Cause I think we could have a really 
this conversation, including Allie, would be really interesting. And it's very yeah. much um, what you're doing is very much using the notion of creativity and imagination mm -hmm. to address concerns about th the real digital problems that we're facing. So, yeah. so this is the beginning, not the end. I love it. I love it. Thank you, thank you so much. I mean, I would love that. And, and you, look, I cannot tell you what that means. 17-year-old James would oh. be, my, my heart would be pitter-pattering right now. Oh I my mean, God. it when is pitter-pattering right now, me, but I gotta like, say. I'm, you I'm know, looking like, at you. You look like a fully grown man. And then people say to me, like, 17-year-old James, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I am so fucking old. Someone wrote to me, the other, someone wrote to me the other day and was like, I'm 33 and I've got a babysitter for my two kids and me and my wife are coming to see you in uh, San Francisco and we're so excited. And I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for everything. I've been listening to your music since I was 11. Oof. And I was like, yeah. hey, go fuck yourself, man. <laughs> I thought about that when I reached How out to you. How dare you? Like, <laughs> I, I thought about that. Man, I was like, when I was like, do I say I've been listening to him for 20 years? Hey, or is that there's no, there's no denying time, baby. You know what? That's just it. I'm, yep. I feel privileged to have been a part of your life for so long. You know, it's exactly it's, the only other option was not being so that would have sucked. And that's it. Thank you once more to Torque for coming on the show. What an absolute honor it was. And what a blast. Like, what a cool guy. It was just really, really nice to, to chat with him for an hour. And uh, if you have not listened to this new Stars album yet, get on it. It is so fucking good. From Capleton Hill is the name of the album. It is available on all the platforms. If you have the means, be sure to buy a physical copy, get that record. They always do these really, really cool color presses, and uh, it's always, always worth your money. Um, but thank you so much for sticking around to the end. Uh, I love you, and I love everything you're about, whoever you are. If you want to do one good thing for the show this week, be sure to just tell one other person about it. Recommend the show to one other person. Tell them to listen to an episode. And then tell yourself what a good person you are and what a good friend you are. A friend to me and a friend to the show. Look at you. You're such a good person. Thank you. <laughs> but that is it for me. Uh, I will be back next week. As always, the breather is over. The break is done. We are on to weekly shows once more. I will see you next Tuesday. Wow. I, I literally just realized what I could have been saying every week and have not been for almost three years of friendless i have been releasing an episode on tuesday oh jimmy you really fucked up anyway i love you and i hope you have yourselves a wonderful week and i hope to see you next tuesday <laughs> but until then let's just leave it there for another week and i'll catch you back here soon but let's not worry about that now because that is then this is now. So for now, I'll just say I love you, and I'll see you soon. Fun and safety, sweeties. <laughs>